Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek, Digital Editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Later in today's show, we'll speak with Sulpician Father David Thayer, Senior Researcher on the French School of Spirituality and the Sulpician Tradition, who will explain the French School of Theology and show us how to apply principles of adoration, communion, and cooperation in our daily meditations. But first, we speak with Nicole Abyssinio, author of a new book called Pure Power, a spiritual workout to help you break free from sexual sin or how to avoid it in the first place. Here's our interview with Nicole Abyssinio. Nicole Abyssinio, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Baltimore. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. In preparation for our conversation, I did a little research and came across some really startling statistics that were compiled in 2018 by Covenant Eyes, which is an organization that works with churches to, to try to help combat the pornography that we have going around these days. And I thought I'd uh, share some of those stats with our listeners just to get started. On average, the first exposure among men to pornography is age 12, and 57% of teens search for pornography at least once a month, and 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say that they watch pornography at least once a month. And then we also have nearly 27% of teenagers who are receiving sexting messages, and only 55% of adults age 25 or older believe that pornography is wrong. So obviously this is a really pervasive issue in our society today, and technology is playing a huge role in the expansion and the availability and probably the acceptance of explicit material. What would you say is at the heart of the challenges we're now seeing in this area? From all the work that I've done over these years, I would say you know it's the spiritual bondage that is the most difficult part, and there's, um, there's a great lack of awareness and knowledge and understanding of um, the spiritual realm, spiritual warfare, and how it actually works mm-hmm. um, and how that plays into what's happening. And so what may start off as an innocent, you know, kids are curious and people are curious about things and the Internet is, you know, you could just pull something up. I don't think that people are actually realizing the damage that they're doing to themselves and, and that it is opening a door that then, you know, it continues to, you know, increase in problematic areas, but obviously in, in just bringing someone down spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I think that as we move further away from God, um, within our schools, within within our daily lives, I think that that is a, a huge part of the problem. If someone is caught up in sexual sin of any kind, what's the first step that he or she should take to try to break free of that? The first step, absolutely, of course, is being able to want to change and to to believe that you can. Um, And, of course, only can be done with Jesus. Um, I truly believe that. And if you look at the stats of, uh, you know, like a Sexaholics Anonymous, first, the work that's being done at Covenant Eyes and some of the work that we're doing, I mean, it's a huge difference in terms of the success rates because with Jesus, all things are possible. And to really... 
uh, something that's in the book um, in one of the earlier chapters is really busting those lies to believe that you you can change and you can get out of it, and it doesn't matter where you're, you're starting. That there that there is hope and that there is a future, and that you can be completely free. Mm-hmm. You talk a lot in your book about the power of prayer, and not just in some abstract way, but in a really concrete way. Could can you talk about that? Uh, what influence can prayer have? I actually had a conversation about this last night with um I was in a business meeting with a Christian couple and I said that I pray a minimum of two hours a day or something like that. I don't know, it was an off the cuff comment someone had asked and they said most people aren't you know, aren't praying and i think that um our prayer life is directly related to the healing in our life and to the freedom and also to the strength against sin. And so I think that like if you're working out your body if you're only working out five minutes a day, you're going to be yielding five minutes of results. If you're working out an hour a day, you're going to be yielding an hour of results. And so it really is the same on the inside as the outside. You know, how how do you want those spiritual muscles to look? If you're not exercising those, they're going to be atrophied, and you're going to be a lot weaker when the enemy comes knocking on your mm-hmm. door. And closely tied to prayer is this notion of fasting, which I think is sometimes lost on modern ears, but... How can fasting play a role? Um, I've seen so many miracles happen through fasting, um, and I'm excited that it's the Lenten season right now because I think that people think, you know, and it if you want to give up chocolate or, or something like that, but the Lord really wants to work with you in, in many ways within the fasting process and to learn self-control, which is a great fruit and gift of the Holy Spirit. And that can be in many different ways, and you can – Definitely go into prayer and ask the Lord specifically what you should give up because what's what's right for one person is not right for for someone else um and it I mean I think a wonderful way is to to really look at the things that are your favorite things because the things that you love the most are a much greater sacrifice than if you're not a chocolate person, for example, or if mm-hmm. you're not a red meat person, then you don't give up red meat, but it really is about. You know, what are you willing to give up to have that relationship with God and to have that healing? I mean, I know for me getting out of sexual sin, I literally would have given up anything for it. Um, And I think that that was part of, that was a a big part of my healing was when I got to the part where I, I would have literally given my left arm or my right arm or both my arms, like the scripture says, you know, um, if you need to, not to do this, of course, but to have the willingness to be willing to pluck out your eye or to to get rid of the members that are sinning against the Lord, but that are also hurting you and hurting others, um, and having that loving and contrite heart to not want to not want to offend your your greatest loved one, which is Jesus. Many of the people who work in areas of, of addiction point out the importance of accountability. How can accountability help someone? get out of this kind of situation where they, they might be addicted to a sexual sin? I mean, Scripture is so clear about that. Um, that's one of the reasons why I love confession, and it's it's such a beautiful thing to use. And a holy and righteous person can, can pray for you, um, and those prayers will be heard. And it's also about bringing what is in the darkness into light. The reason why pornography and any kind of sexual addiction is often so prevalent in someone's life is that it's hidden. And the enemy can only work in dark, but God can work in the light. And so as soon as you bring that into the light and you're sharing that with somebody and there's there's somebody that is um, walking with you in that, I see huge results 
uh, quickly in terms of the change in, in someone's um, progress in, in that area. So, um, and, it's, and it's okay to do that. It's okay to share that. And it's also getting out of that shame cycle. I mean, I had a gentleman write me, and he's like, I literally just had sex before a Christian concert. It doesn't get worse than that. That's what the text message was to me. And, you know, my response to that was, no, you know, you're, you're willing to share this. Like, the, the Lord wants to heal you. Like, you're ready to do this because you, you know that that's wrong. You know you don't want to be doing that. And that's already part of the battle. And so it it was already him starting to heal and starting to want to work in that process to be able to tell me, a stranger, and sometimes it does need to be someone that's not in your inner circle at first, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. You had mentioned the importance of the sacrament of reconciliation. What power does the sacrament have in bringing about healing? Oh, it's I just cannot say enough good things about confession. And from somebody who was away for confession for 20 years, when I first went back, so to give you guys a laugh, so you're not the only one, you know, I had to make an appointment with the priest. I told him he needed to pack lunch or something. I mean, he was there for, (laughs) I think we were there for a whole day. I mean, it was, I had a lot to confess. And now I go every week and it's just, it's such a beautiful process. It's not something to be, it's the enemy, it's the, and that's why I keep t- going back to understanding your enemy, which is he wants us to believe that that's a scary thing. And it's only scary to the enemy because he's going to lose power, and he's going to lose power over you and your life. And so when you go in there and you have somebody that, that has good intentions for you, that wants you to have hope and healing and freedom and to be in a state of grace, it's an amazing thing, and it's free. I mean, people go to counselors for this stuff, or you get to go to a priest, and, you know, it's not just for you to ramble off a bunch of sins. The, the priest wants to help you to find ways for you to overcome this and new ways and, and, and new things that you can do to break free. And so use it. It's, it's an absolute amazing gift. We have about a minute left. In your book, you have a 40-day devotional where it's a day-by-day guide. How do you hope people will use that that 40-day devotional that you offer? I mean, I even use the devotional because I feel like I, I wrote that 40 days when I was in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and it, it took me quite, you know, a long time to do, and I, I really feel that there's so much of the Holy Spirit in there to bring the truth to us. Um, I think that the world is constantly telling us the opposite of what is true, and so to be able to just meditate on the truth of Jesus and how much he loves us and how much he wants to make us white as snow and um, how much our sins are cast from the east to the west. Every day there's a piece of scripture and there's a prayer and, you know, it's you talking with God and, and God speaking to you. I've read it so many times even when I was editing the book and I, I still received value of it. It doesn't matter where you are in your journey. Um, I think it's the perfect time, and and through this Lenten season, uh, there's so many gifts that God has for us. There's just amazing things. It's almost like this gold treasure that we're just not picking up. Like there's all this money in the bank just waiting for us, and we just need to go and cash it in. Well, Nicole Abyssinio, author of Pure Power, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Baltimore. Thank you so much. We're going to take a short break, and when we return, we'll speak with Sulpician Father David Thayer, who will tell us about the French School of Spirituality and the Sulpician tradition. I'm George Matisek. You're listening to Catholic Baltimore. We'll be back in a moment. 
Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Students across the Archdiocese of Baltimore are adjusting to at-home learning. All public schools in Maryland are closed following an order by Governor Larry Hogan. Archbishop William E. Lorry instructed all archdiocesan schools to similarly close their campuses and suspend school activities. We developed two weeks of instructional resources for all schools from pre-kindergarten through eighth grade in English, language, arts, and math, said Eric Watts, Director of Instruction and Student Achievement for the Archdiocese. Additional science, social studies, and religion resources have been provided based on need to schools. We provided online learning resources to all high schools. Watts said a team of eight content experts are generating resources and working with teachers. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. With the rise in the number of priests and religious dying from coronavirus-related illnesses, Pope Francis offered his prayers for those who died as well as those infected by the COVID-19 virus. At least 50 priests, four nuns, and 24 doctors have lost their lives, and 5,000 healthcare workers in Italy were known to be infected as of March 24th because of the pandemic. At the start of his morning mass, March 24th, the Pope said he was aware of the growing number of doctors, nurses, and priests who have died after becoming infected while being, quote, at the service of the sick, unquote. Let us pray for them and their families. I thank God for the heroic example that they have given us in their care for the sick, the Pope said. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. For ongoing coverage and resources on the coronavirus, visit www.archbolt.org forward slash coronavirus. For everyone at the Catholic Review, be safe, practice social distancing, and wash your hands often during these challenging times. I'm Kevin Parks. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770.
You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek. Our guest this segment is Sulpician Father David Thayer, Senior Researcher on the French School of Spirituality and the Sulpician Tradition. Father will explain what the French School of Spirituality is about and also talk about a new podcast he's offering during this Lenten season. Here's our interview with Father Thayer. Father Thayer, thanks for being here on Catholic Baltimore. You're most welcome. I'm glad to be here. Could you explain for our listeners what the French School of Spirituality is? What's the origins of it? Sure. It's a, uh, the French School is, is part of the reform after the Council of Trent, as it began to be implemented in France a hundred years later. The French were very, very slow in responding to Trent. It became a collection of people, probably the founder is Pierre Cardinal de Berulle, uh, who were interested in bringing the reforms of Trent and reviving Catholicism, which had become quite perfunctory, that's probably the best word for it, in the practice of the French people. So you get what probably are four major figures, all of whom are somehow related. First of all, uh, Cardinal Berulle, who was probably the greatest thinker of the group. Uh, and then you have Charles de Condrin, who was his, his successor with the Oratorians, the group of priests that he founded in France uh, to increase the holiness of priests. Then you have Jean-Jacques Ollier, who was a spiritual directee of Charles de Condrin, uh, and who founded the Sulpician Fathers, to whom I belong. And then finally you have St. John Eudes. And you can probably add in at the end of the 17th century, uh, Louis, uh, St. Louis-Marie Louis Grignon de Montfort. I'll get that mouthful out of my <laughs> mouth yet. And then St. John Eudes, who was the founder of the Eudes Fathers. All of them began to focus around the centrality of Christ and an attempt to revive a deeper fervor for religion, that is to say the proper virtue of giving to God what God is due, namely everything. Uh, they share a common anthropology which argues that really in ourselves we are nothing. That can be understood in a very negative way, and that's part of the French school that people have great hesitations about. But when understood correctly, it's a manifestation of the fact that we exist because God is constantly loving us into existence. Mm -hmm. That cut off from God, we are simply nothing. We just disappear. And with God, we begin with God, with a relationship to Christ and being configured onto Christ, we begin to participate fully in what God has planned for us, a life that is divinized in which we recognize the grandeur of God, the smallness of ourselves, and the mercy of all of that. And we are made great because God is great. Does it have a devotional element to it as well? It has a high devotion to Mary, uh, a high devotion to Scripture. And that's what I've attempted to do with these podcasts, is to help to reintroduce people to that scriptural component by doing a daily meditation on the gospel of the day. Then you also have devotion to the cross, a high missionary and apostolic element, 
most of the founders of the French school were either involved with interior missions, that is to say with the conversion of parishes, and especially in the countryside throughout France during the 17th century, but also in terms of foreign missions. I think you can probably add the um, fathers of the Mission, Mission Etranger de Paris, which is a group of priests who were sent from France to convert the Far East. And you also have, of course, the Sulpician presence, uh, even within the time of Father Ollier in Canada. Father Ollier is considered one of the founders of Montreal. There's also a significant devotion to the cross, but not in the way in which people normally think about that. We don't do the Franciscan thing of the stations of the cross. It's more learning how to embrace and accept the crosses that arise from our state in life, the ones you cannot avoid, um, and to participate with Christ in Christ's sufferings uh, that arise from those very concrete events in our lives to follow out the prescription of the scriptures that if you would be my disciple, you must take up your cross each day and come after me. You probably have to, should add to that, you must deny yourself. I'll take up your cross each day and follow after me. And so it becomes a perfect kind of way to begin to think about a lot of the themes of Lent in which the Church enters into its serious springtime, its attempt to renew its commitment through baptism in order to grow into a deeper union with Christ and through Christ with the Trinity. Because you can never separate out Christ from the Trinity for the French school. In this season of Lent, as people are encouraged to reflect on scriptures, do you have some suggestions on how they might apply some of the principles of the French school of spirituality to to the scripture? One of the easiest ways to do that is simply to listen to my podcast. It's to take uh, from them... What am I learning about Christ as I meditate on the scriptures? You can do that in a three-step way that the Father Ollier recommends in a number of places, and most importantly in his Christian Catechism for the Interior Life and in the Introduction to the Christian Life and Virtues. It's a very simple and supple method that consists of three simple steps. first step is adoration, have Jesus before my eyes. And so what we do is to take from the scriptures some element of Christ that we see visible in this particular passage. And we, seeing it, begin to adore. Because adoration is always the beginning point of prayer. After a period of adoration, we enter into a period of what Father Father Ollier calls communion. To have Jesus in my heart in which we ask to identify with whatever quality of Christ, whatever state he manifests through this uh, particular uh, passage, and so that we might become more and more dependent upon him. And then finally you have a third step called uh, cooperation, have Jesus in my hands, and that's to find would ask the assistance of the Holy Spirit to be empowered to put into action what we have experienced and what we are learning in our prayer. So for the French schools, French school is always a movement between mysticism and mission. And this is one way 
manifesting that is to use that form of prayer. One can use it for a variety of things uh, and in a, in a variety of ways. That's one of its real beauties. We have about 30 seconds left. How can people access your podcast? They just need to go on to the Sulpician website for the American province, mm-hmm. sulpicians.org, and hit podcast. That'd be great. And that will do it. <laughs> That's okay. Great. Father Thayer, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Baltimore. You're welcome. Glad to be here. And thanks very much for coming to see me. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm George Matisak. Thanks for listening. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our blessed mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.